Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. The other thing I want to say is, the Bible declares that if we ask anything according to his word, according to his will, He hears us and gives us the things we petition of. Now, here's the problem. All of you, like 98% of you, here is why you don't have answers to your prayer. You ask according to your need, not according to his will. Let me repeat that. This is a little deep, so I'm going to pause. You ask according to your need, not according to his will. The Bible doesn't say that if you ask anything according to his need, he will answer your prayer. No, it says if you ask anything according to his will. So, for example, when you talk about health, healing, you may be sick. Now, if you start telling God that you're sick, and you start asking God to heal you because of your sickness, it's not going to happen because you're asking according to your need, sickness, not according to his will, health. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So you don't ask according to your need. If you come and say, Lord, I need rent, you're not praying right because you're asking according to your need. You ask according to his will. Father, you have said that that he was made poor. That I, through his poverty, I might be made rich. I don't feel the anointing. I might be made rich, which then means, (laughs) your will is that I'm supplied for. Your will is that I'm rich. So, Father, according to your will that I'm a son, a daughter, well supplied for, a joint heir with Christ Jesus, I command rent. I will leave that there. If you know, you know. Let me get into the message. Uh, uh, I have my wife's permission to share this story. And yeah, you know, the moment you are, you become the less secrets you get, you have. Weddings come with drama. I know not of a wedding that didn't come with drama. They all come with drama, different kinds of drama. Now. Most of the drama is external. In-laws, outlaws, and all that stuff. Budgets, buildings, and big shots. A certain uncle who wants a certain song to be sung in the service as if it is their wedding. A certain auntie who dictates what the bride should wear. You know, too much drama. But that's the drama people get to know on the outside. And our, my wedding didn't have shortage of drama. Relatives refusing to show up. Us charging people, at our wedding, people had to pay their way to get, you had to buy a card. We, I'm not the mayor, I wasn't going to the mayor's wedding. And all of that. But then we had internal drama that no one knew was going on. And, and this is a story I've never told. So everyone, it's a bit embarrassing, so get ready. So back in the days before male circumcision became a thing, uh, it wasn't, yeah. So, so I, I thought it was a good idea since I was getting married to get circumcised. 
<laughs> so we organized for circumcision. And then we went to this hospital in Kampala. And unfortunately, they didn't do a good job. <laughs> so by the time the wedding day came about, uh, there was no healing in the house of the Lord. And, and, and thus, uh, my marriage life started. Honeymoon was largely the conversations. Anyway, so we came back, and then I went to another reputable clinic in town, and uh, there was a great doctor there who worked on me. People in the house, please. <laughs> and and uh, it was just a matter of days, just days, and I was up and running. So, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, why? Why did I ever go to that hospital? Lord! Yeah, those who are embarrassed on my behalf, it is all right. You know, you can laugh. I can tell you, I've been up and running since. And... <laughs> And uh, that was 17 years ago. And this is what I can tell you for sure. When circumcision happens, like the writer says in Colossians, the body of sins is cut off. It is put away. And it's been 17 years. Uh, it has never grown back. Uh, we've never gone to ask where it was thrown whatever was cut off, was cut off permanently. Tell your neighbor permanently. Now, I, 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 want, you, I want you to grab this statement. Tell your neighbor, just like circumcision, your sins were cut off forever. Have you recovered? I'm okay, guys. I'm okay, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> some people are feeling the pain for me. It was 17 years ago I recovered. I'm, I'm fine. I, I, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for good doctors. By the way, that is the one incident in my life which taught me never, ever to go for a cheap option when it comes to medical issues. I learned my lesson the hardest way possible. So when it comes to health, medical, uh, uh, there is no need for negotiating, going to some clinic, what? You find the best because uh, physical capital is more important than financial capital. <laughs> All right, guys, just like circumcision, your sins were cut off forever. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and verse 12. 11 and 12. Uh, if you can help me read, and let's read together. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now you see that that's one sentence. Both verses are one sentence. Take me to 11 again. In him you, also, you were also circumcised. Now, 
with the circumcision made without hands, unlike the other one which went wrong. This one is of the heart, okay? And says, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, comma, the thought isn't ended. And then he says, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Amen. Amen. So there's a correlation, there's a relationship between circumcision and baptism. In comparing the symbols of the covenant, of the old covenant and the new covenant, circumcision was first given to Abraham to confirm the covenant God had made with him and then became a covenant for Israel. So just, and I have to be careful here because there are many schools of thought out there. I have to be careful how I teach you. I know it's going to be so clear for you. You'll not be confused. But in the New Testament, when you get saved, you don't get circumcised physically. It is the circumcision of the heart where you're filled by the Holy Spirit and then the outward symbol that you perform, that you take to confirm the seal of that covenant is baptism. Unfortunately, nowadays people take baptism too lightly because of religious issues and they think it's just one of those nice things to do. That would be the same as an Israelite saying that circumcision is just one of those nice things to do because it's not. It's a command. That's why Jesus commanded baptism for us. But that's not the big point. I'm just laying the foundation for us to have an understanding as I share. So, watch this. Watch this carefully. So, circumcision was first given to Abraham in a series. It was a series of promises. That's where we first find circumcision. Genesis. So, here is what happened. In Genesis chapter 12, God came and spoke to Abraham, told him, leave home, Go wherever I'll tell you, I'll be with you, I'll bless you, I'll bless whoever blesses you, I'll curse whoever curses you. And Abraham did that, only that he went with Lot. He went with a lot. Some of you, God has called you and you're going with a lot. Just go. Anyway, so God made a promise to him and he left home and he went. And then, in Genesis 12, uh, 13, then there's quarreling with Lot's men and his men and then they separate ways. And then the most significant event in Abraham's life, which talks about us, happens in Genesis chapter 15. That's where God came and promised Abraham again. Remember, he had already told him, I'm going to give you a son. So he came and told him, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham is like, whoa, hey, God. You know how we can also tell God, ah, God did it, all did it. I have no, you're, you're making all these promises, but you haven't given me a son. Okay. Uh, he says, Lord, God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is the years of Damascus. So God told him, no, 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 no. no. Your own son will be an heir to you. And then God, I, I need to slow down at this point because it's a bit annoying to me that I read Genesis all these years and I never saw the significance of chapter 15. Because that's when God makes a unilateral covenant with Abraham where he puts him to sleep and he walks between the pieces. How they used to covenant those days that they would walk between the pieces. One person walks this way, one person walks that way where the people who have covenanted are saying, all that I have is yours. All that I have I share with you. All that I am I give to you within the name of... You get the drift. So that's how they covenanted. But now, 
Abraham was too small and too weak to be covenanting with the God of heaven. So God put him to sleep and did the covenant by himself. And he said, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. God swore by himself. And that's the essence of the new covenant in that God swears by himself. At the last supper, Jesus didn't consult them. It was between the Father and the Son. God swore by himself and swore to bless you and I. So that's what happened in chapter 15. There was this incredible covenant that, that you know, happened. Now watch this, watch this. So chapter 15, the covenant is signed. Chapter 16, 17, uh, about Sodom and Gomorrah. They are not significant to this conversation. In chapter 18, no, that's not Sodom and Gomorrah. That's chapter 19, 20, 20, 19 and 20. But chapter 18, God comes and tells Abraham to circumcise okay, he, himself, his son Ishmael, and every male in his household, all the servants. And this is what he told him, that this is a seal of the covenant. A seal of the covenant. Which covenant? The covenant God had made with Abraham. God wanted Abraham to receive that covenant, to seal it through circumcision. And that's what he did. And do you know what happens the next thing? I need to check what happened. That was Genesis chapter 17. 17, God tells Abraham to circumcise, and in chapter 18, God shows up like three men and tells Abraham, by this time next year, you will have a son. By that time, he's 100 years old. In chapter 21, Isaac was born. When was Isaac born? After circumcision, not before. Let me come back to you and put significance to what I'm saying. So, circumcision then, at that time, became a sign of the covenant for Israel. Not only Abraham, but also his children. And they were commanded that every male should be circumcised at age eight. Okay? And in Romans chapter four, which we are going to look at, Paul makes these correspondences between that circumcision and what happened. Now, this is what happens. Let me see how to lay this down. So, this is very important. At age eight, at age eight, every Israelite was circumcised. And thus, they became a part of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, here is the challenge. Some people take that and say, if that's what happened then, then we can also baptize children. Since circumcision and baptism are related, we can baptize children when they are young so that they become part of the covenant. No, that's not correct. Here is why it's not correct. Israel has a, a relationship with God in blood, flesh and blood. It's a flesh relationship. To be an Israelite, you don't need to do anything. You just need to be born as an Israelite. You were born in that nation and you were circumcised and became. In Christ, you believe by faith. 
they are no born Christians. You can't say, I was born a Christian. You are born again into the faith. And you believe to be born again. So here is why it's important. The same way and every Israelite male was circumcised as soon after birth, every Christian should be baptized soon after being born again. That's the relationship. The other one is birth in the flesh. This one is birth in the spirit. So the two are not the same. You are not born a Christian. You are born again into Christ, into spirit, and then you get baptized. Likewise, you can't circumcise a child before they are born. I hope I've made my point over there. Now let's go to Romans chapter 4 and paint the picture. Romans chapter 4. Give me Romans chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. He, he says, how, how then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. What is he talking about that was accounted? Faith. Uh, uh, righteousness. Righteousness was accounted by, accounted him by faith and says it wasn't while he was answer, while he was circumcised, but rather uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, the sign. Are you seeing that word there? Guys, are you seeing that word there? He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. Righteousness of the faith which he had still while still uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all those who believe though they are uncircumcised. That righteousness might be imputed to them also, those who are uncircumcised. That's the Gentiles who believe in Christ. So, what's the significance of all of this? Baptism doesn't give you righteousness. Baptism does not give you the covenants. No, 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 no. Believing in Christ, coming to Christ, the circumcision of the spirit, of the heart, which is not circumcision of the flesh, is what gives you righteousness. And then the baptism, like it was in Abraham's case, is a seal of the righteousness of the faith which you had while still unbaptized, but having believed. Hallelujah. So like uh, we saw here, Andrew and Martha, uh, great leaders of missional uh, community out of worship harvest Kungu, the wedding didn't get them to fall in love. Falling in love. They fell in love somewhere. We were not there. But then, it's not okay to just fall in love and disappear. It's called KKE. You must, <laughs> it's not, you see here, he had the righteousness before circumcision, but he was circumcised. You have the righteousness before baptism, but you get baptized. Baptism is public. It's a public confession. It's a public display. It's a sign of sealing the faith. So likewise, you, yes, you fell in love, but then you go and get married. The marriage is the seal of the covenant, not the falling in love. 
I will not push that matter. I, it's not part of my notes. But you need to hear it. The reason other parts of the world have completely fallen apart as far as the family unit is concerned is they've neglected God's wisdom about how you start a family. How do you start a family? You fall in love with someone of the opposite gender and then you take that person to a third party that has authority with witnesses and you proclaim publicly your love and then a code of three cannot easily be broken. You bring God into the picture. That's, what, that, that's the whole thing of going to a, an authority. And then you go home and start enjoying life with accountability. That's how you do it. It's on record now. You can't say, a pastor never told us. No. Let me get back to my message. Romans 4. Okay. So the circumcision that Paul is talking about in the book of Colossians is a circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh. All right? Give me, give me back that verse. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10, 11, 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Spiritual. It's a spiritual operation that happens when a sinner turns to Christ where the body of sins is cut off permanently. Just like in natural circumcision, this body of sins can neither be recovered nor can it grow back. A permanent state of righteousness is imputed to the believer. Ah, I feel like I'm preaching better than you're listening. A permanent state of righteousness is imputed to the believer. Why? You, you, no, don't go and ask people who have been circumcised, but I can tell you this on good authority. It doesn't grow back. And neither is it sensible for you to go asking whoever did it, saying, Vananga, I want my thing. No, no, it's useless. It's cut off once and for all. If we take the scripture seriously, and in this case, we are seeing that coming to Christ is like the circumcision where the body of sins is cut off. You can't claim it back. It doesn't grow back. This is the thing that Christians don't understand, that in your spirit, you, you are sinless. Your sinometer reads zero. Because the foreskin is it's a permanent removal. Okay. Point made. Give me Romans 2, 28, 29. It says, for he's not a Jew, is one outwardly, no circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Are you, are you watching? That of the heart in the spirit. Not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go 
into a very deep part of the swimming pool. So, if you're not used to swimming, get a floater now. Get your floater now. Get your floater. Get, 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 get ready with your floater. Because we are going into a certain part. And I need you to understand this. I need you to understand this. Okay. A very serious matter portends in this portion. Now think about it. You see, don't forget our current circumcision. So, the body of sins is cut off hopefully in a hospital. Otherwise, if you're from Mumbai and you've been dodging all these years and they find you. Bad news. And they report you. Like, we have a, a man there who is not, yeah. The story is different. And I also want to take this opportunity to say female circumcision is not biblical. It's a a very bad thing. So, we are talking about male circumcision here. The body of sins is cut off and separated. Okay. That's circumcision, circumcision of the flesh. The circumcision of the flesh, the body of sins is cut off. Spirit, circumcision of the heart. But I want you to see this. First, give me 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, For he made him, who is he talking about? Jesus. Who knew no sin, one who had never sinned, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became sin. How did Jesus become sin? He didn't commit sin. He just took it on by faith in the flesh. He became sin for us. I'm going to correlate this. So watch, watch this. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. I want you to know this part. He became what? Sin for us. First give me again Colossians 2, 11 and I correlate. It says in him you are circumcised with us, circumcision made without hands. Okay? Watch this. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Have you taken that, that last line? Circumcision of Christ. He's not talking about when Jesus was circumcised at eight, eight days old. That's not what he's talking about. Putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. To be sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Now give me Romans 8. I think 3. Watch, watch this. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son. 
in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin condensed. So what happened is that when Christ, the Bible says that the, 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 the man who will not be circumcised will be cut off from his people. Christ was taken outside of the camp, outside of the gate, the way they used to take that scapegoat, outside of the gate, and he suffered outside the camp. He was cut off from his people. He was cut off. He said, all, they all forsook him and fled. He was cut off from God, his father. That's why he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which means, pictorially speaking, that Christ became that body of sins that is cut off. The body of the sins of the flesh that is cut off and discarded and forgotten. That's what Christ became for you. He was cut off and discarded and forgotten. He literally became a foreskin for you. Let me put it straight. That's why he says in Philippians that for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Like he was discarded so we could now emerge the newness of life. That's why it is compared to baptism. I'm, I know that what I've just said, only the Holy Spirit can help you understand it. There is no amount of explanation I can do for you to understand it, but the Holy Spirit will help you to understand it. Because when, when we think about Christ on the cross, we, we have never imagined that he becomes that piece of thrown away, useless thing. Okay. Just like circumcision, your sins were cut off forever. How were your sins cut off? Christ was cut off. He became your sin. He became sin for us. He became sin and was cut off. Colossians 2.12 Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith. So what happens is that when Christ was cut off, the sin, the, he says he sent in the likeness of sinful flesh. Can you imagine Christ there on the cross, that beaten pulp of a, a piece of meat of a man? The wrath of God was fully satisfied because that piece of meat on that cross was the scene of the whole world in flesh. So when Christ was raised from the dead, it wasn't the same piece of meat that was raised from the dead. He was raised a spiritual man. Newness of life. Newness of life. Newness of life. Newness of life. 
So that's why he said we were buried with him in baptism. But it doesn't end there. What? In which you also were raised. That which is raised and that which was buried are not the same thing. That's why those of you think that you got born again and you're still the same person, you're crazy. Because that which was buried and that which was raised was not the same thing. That which was buried was the flesh, that which was raised was the spiritual body. That's what he says. So even you, when you got born again, you, 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 you died. The, your old man was crucified with Christ. And the one that you are now is a new one. Complete. It says, if anyone is Christ, is a new creation, all things are passed. Behold, now all things have become new. And now all things are of God. The new and the old, you have absolutely no likeness to one another. So you can't come and start telling us all your achievements in the flesh. Saying, may I cut wires easily? Why? What? Me, I'm just like that. No, you don't know who you are. You're talking about a dead person. You're masquerading. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So just like Abraham had to ratify the covenant with circumcision in Genesis 17, those who believe in Christ need to ratify the covenant of grace with baptism. There is a reason why the most important promise God ever made to Abraham, Isaac, didn't come until Abraham was circumcised. Some of you, your struggles, let me tell you, progress in Christ is not dependent on energy. It's revelation. It's revelation. Some of your struggles right now are not because you haven't tried, not because you don't love God, not because you haven't fasted and prayed on what. No, you just haven't learned obedience. The issue of baptism is an issue of obedience. It's not an issue of spiritual, spirituality, what? No, 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 no. You're just trying, you, you think that your old denomination in which you were raised is more important to you than Christ. And so you have embraced that average life. Well, you're not seeing certain kinds of things happening. Not because God wants you to first do it before he blesses you. He has already blessed you. But you are hindering yourself. Sorry for being a little direct with you this morning. See what he says in Romans 6, 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. It's not just to believe the newness of life. No. There is something called walking in it. You can believe it and not walk in it. Walking in the power of God. Walking in the grace of God. Walking in the supply of the Spirit. Walking in the new... Walking. Walking. Experiencing it. My time runneth. Not over. Oh, in baptism, we acknowledge, we acknowledge that we have died with Christ. The old man is crucified and therefore pays for all the sin. That's what it means. Like, 
buried with him, the wages of sin is death. So if you uh, receive Christ and the baptism of the circumcision of the heart, you're buried with him, you have paid for all your sins by faith. Buried with him, baptism. And says, and have been raised with him. The new creation rises and receives an inheritance, reigning with him. Amen. Ephesians 2, 4 to 6, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we are dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor it's good news only. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just like circumcision. Your sins were cut off forever. And when you get baptized, you're signifying that. Do you realize that you cannot undo baptism? Yeah, like, they don't put you there and leave you there. And then like, I've been practicing holding my breath. Then you come up. No, they put you, they remove you. Now you can't reverse do that. These things are serious. Now, 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 now. Let me share with you something. Now, now let me, all that was foundation. Now let's make the point. Since we are out of time, let's make the point. Are, are you there online? Let's make the point. That's foundation. You have understood. The, the thing is permanent. Cut off permanently. Now, watch this, verse 13. Verse 13, Colossians. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. <laughs> ah! Are you seeing that being dead? That's present continuous. Do you see the other guy there? He's being dead. <laughs> Do you see that babe? She's being dead. The other lady over there, that one selling Kasoli, she's being dead. It's present continuous. You know, we cannot undo it ourselves. If you ever decide to do hospital ministry and you decide to start at the mortuary, and you are one of those people who pray for people and you tell them, have faith, have faith as I pray for you. When you go to pray for a dead person to come back to life, there is no cooperation from the other side. It's all on you. It's all your faith. If you're going to go into dead raising ministry, not to have faith. What? <laughs> no, that, that's Jesus' operation with you and I. Yesanga Mose being dead. He can't even start saying, Katinao Mose. Have faith. You are incapable of saving yourself. But it says, you being dead in that present continuous state of deadness. 
in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. There are some of you who are listening to me. If I told you to list your trespasses, you'd be overwhelmed. You need many papers. You are the one he's talking to. He says, he has made alive together with him. Together with him. Aquari Paco, he repeats himself on you. He attaches himself on you. And then he gives you his own life. To, how? Having forgiven. Ah, that's past participle. You see, the, I started speaking English late in life. Having forgiven you. How many? All trespasses. All trespasses. My goodness. Woo. Woo. All past, present, future. Remember, God is all knowing. Did you know that God, if, if I was your friend, Chris, and I really wanted to remain your friend, but then I know that in 2023, you're going to do something really bad to me. How do we remain friends? How do I continue loving you and being in, in relationship with you? I forgive that 2023 sin today. That's what enables me to continue working in relationship. That's what happens when people get married. When you get married, that's why they say, until death us, do part. At that, on that wedding day, you forgive all the trespasses until death before you walk out of that chapel. Anything short of that is not biblical marriage. That's why Paul says, but this is a mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. I speak Christ and the church. I forgive you all trespasses until death has departed. So he has made us ah, alive together with him. The only way God can continue relating with you when he knows you're going to be fake to him two years from now is to forgive you the two years from now sin now. Because you already feel the pain of it two years before it happens. So the only way to deal with it is to forgive it in advance. It's called preemptive reconciliation. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if, if anyone has a complaint against us, even as Christ forgave you. Past tense. Just like circumcision, your sins were cut off forever. Now I'm starting to finish. And this finish is real. This is a real finish. I looked at verse 13 to 15 so long trying to make sure I figure out how to make it make sense to you. Let's first read it. It says, and you, we already read 13, but it, we have to get, and you, being dead in your trespasses and your flesh, 
He has made a life together with him. Now, I want you to mark everywhere there is having. Having, okay? The first one is what? Having forgiven you all trespasses. Next, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's the law. It's against you. Brother, sister, the law is against you. Which was contrary to us. It means your, your life of progress, you're moving this way, the law is moving this way, and it is opposing you. The law will not help you. It is contrary to you. It is opposing you. It is slowing you down. That's why you're still struggling. Because the, 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 the law is the strength of sin. First Corinthians 15, 56. Contrary to us. And he has taken it <laughs> out of the way. I need help. Yeah. I need help. So come, quickly, quickly, quickly. Yeah. So, I'm going these ends. This is me. I'm a pilgrim through life. I'm believing what God has said about me. Okay? But you are the law. You're contrary to me. You are against me. You're preventing me from going. Please come here, here. So starts. Hey, 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 thou shalt not. Oh, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. And what does he say? He says, He has taken it out of the way. Take the law out of the way. He has taken it out of the way. Now I can go to my destiny. Now I can go to what God has called me to do. Why? He has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. In other words, it's not allowed to come off that tree to come and disturb me again. Uh, Chris may have taken Blessed Ivan out of the way and Blessed Ivan is coming back to sing but when it comes to the law, he took it out of the way and he, what? What did he do? What did he do? He nailed it to the cross. It can't come off. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them laughing over them in it. Okay. Those who are helping with the minister come as I finish. There are three, there are four havings there. Having forgiven your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, Having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. So, I'm going to put it this way He made us alive by. So, the, the way to understand it is to go about it in reverse. He made us alive by forgiving us all trespasses. There is no way he could have a relationship with us if he didn't forgive us. Because God hates sin. God and sin can't be in the same space. So the only way he could make us alive together, together with him, is to first of all forgive us. Render us righteous so we could be in union with him. If you don't believe you are the righteousness of God, if you don't believe you are righteous, you are implying that God is a sinner. 
Because he's together with you. He says you're hidden in Christ, in God. Now, if you're hidden in Christ, in God, and you insist that you're a sinner, then it means that God on whom you are inside is a sinner. But because you're in him, the only way you can be in him and he remains holy is if you yourself, you're righteous. It's like saying, Ofuna, Magot, Nojideka Mopera, in the what? In a guava. And then you keep saying, no, the guava has a maggot, but the guava is good. No, it's not possible. Because you are in him. You are in the guava. So if you are in Christ, the only way Christ can continue to be as holy as he is, is automatically for you to know that you have been rendered righteous by faith. So you can be in him. So he made us alive. Let's assume I am Christ, you are the dead one. He made us alive together with him. How? Having forgiven us. He washes us. He renders us clean so we can be in perfect union. But remember, he can't just come and say, bless you. I know you're a bad boy, but let's just forget those sins. No. God is holy and just. God can't just wish your sins away. So what did he do? That's why he says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. What did he do? He took he didn't just wish your sins away. He took your sin upon him, self, and then fulfilled the whole law and having nailed it to the cross. And then he went to the cross and died the death you deserve. And then he came out of that tomb, a new man, and then he came and presented himself to you, righteous, righteous. So that then you can reign with him. That's why he says, having disarmed principalities and powers, which means that there is nothing. He, he, we now have the victory. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.